0: It is a beautiful day for Resurrection Sunday, and it started out a little brisk this morning. If you were at the Sunrise service, it was about 31 degrees out there. But now we're up to 44. So we got bright sunshine going on, and I'm glad you're here to celebrate uh, with us what Jesus has done through His death, burial and resurrection, what Scripture calls the gospel. And on this day of Easter, let's turn to John chapter 20, where we continue this morning our series, What We've Seen and Heard. John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, said, We are simply telling you the things that we have personally seen and heard uh, about Jesus Christ. And we're in week three of the series. So far, we talked about Jesus, the friend. And we talked about Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. Today, naturally, we'll be talking about Jesus, the risen Savior. The notes are in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along Uh, this morning. They're also on the YouVersion app if you are more electronically minded. Let's read now in John chapter 20, and I'll read aloud starting there in verse number 19. Then the same day at evening... Being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his sign. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. Even so, send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sends you remit they're remitted unto them, and whosoever sends you retain they're retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand's. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. On this day of the Savior's resurrection, the disciples experienced the reality of Jesus' resurrected, And then they spent the rest of their lives telling this story. And so we're going to walk through the passage this morning, and let's start back up in verse number 19, As we talk about, Jesus stands in the midst. Jesus stands in the midst. And and you need to picture the scene here. The disciples are hidden. Uh, They're hidden for fear that the Jews will kill them next. And it's really a dark moment for them. Some of these men had followed Jesus because they thought he was going to lead a political revolt against the Romans and usher in independence for Israel. And had then become their king. And now that he'd been killed, their hopes and dreams had been dashed in pieces. And even though Peter and John had already been to see the empty tomb, uh, the anxiety hadn't lifted. And so here they are, hunkered down in a house, trying not to be discovered. All the doors and windows are shut and locked. And suddenly, Jesus is in the middle of the room. The door never opened, the windows are still bolted, but he's there. See, when the disciples were confused and bewildered, and when the resurrection seemed like an idle tale, in the middle of their darkest hour, the presence of Jesus gave them hope. And so he appears in the middle of the room. He also appears in the middle of their anxiety and says, peace be unto you. That's exactly what Jesus wants to do for everybody. That's what he wants to do for you. When everyone else is running out of your life, Jesus runs in. When you're experiencing distress, he offers peace. When you feel like there's no hope available, he is hope. His presence is the answer to the pain in your soul. And the presence of Jesus makes all of the negative circumstances of life fade into the background. We live in a world of people who are constantly seeking peace. But many of them are looking at all the wrong places. And it could be that it's you. It could be that you're dealing with an internal struggle this morning. You're yearning for peace. You just don't know where to find it. And you have tried just about everything but never Jesus. I, I read about uh, Sarah Winchester. Uh, she was the wealthy widow of the gun company owner Winchester Arms, and uh, thousands of uh, people each year visit the Winchester Mansion that she had built in San Jose, California. So for 38 years, okay, this is back starting in 1884 until her death in 1922. The house was under constant construction for 38 years. Teams of carpenters, uh, mason, and uh, uh, other workers were employed around the clock all the time. Uh, Various stories have been told about the reason for this unusual practice. And and most uh, stories center on her belief that uh, either... Uh, she was haunted, or the house was haunted, uh, by the ghosts of, of people who had been killed by her husband's weapons, uh, unless she kept building her house. And others claim that she thought she, would, uh, she wouldn't die as long as they kept building the house. And whatever the reason, she continued ordering more renovations, more construction, as long as she lived. And in the Winchester ma- mansion, there are more than 10,000 windows okay? There are more than 10,000 windows in the house. There are doorways and stairways that lead to blank walls, right? So you go up these stairs and open the door, and there's a wall there. They, they built it that way. It, there's 160 total rooms, and it's estimated that she spent more than 100 million in today's money on this largely pointless construction, all in a desperate search for peace that was ultimately doomed to fail. Just like a lot of folks today who are seeking peace through equally fruitless means, and they turn to all sorts of pleasures or substances or immorality or religion, wealth, and all these dead-end avenues, uh, like the staircases that lead to nowhere in the Winchester Mansion, pursuing all these paths will never bring peace. Instead, we find peace when we follow the path that God has given us in his word. And when we accept Jesus as the presence in the middle of our hearts. And and so verse 19, Jesus shows up in the middle of the room and says, peace be unto you. And we go to verse number 20. And when he had said, peace be unto you, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Let's talk about, is the second part here, Jesus is seen by the disciples. Okay, so he stands in the middle of the room. Now he's seen by the disciples. And once again, uh, we have to go back to the room that has just been filled with the presence of Jesus. His words peace be unto you, are still echoing off the walls. The disciples are looking at each other wondering, did we really see what we just saw? Did we really hear what we just heard? Is that really Jesus? Jesus, is that really you? Have you ever been an eyewitness to an event that was hard to process? And when you had to think back through and and make sure you really witnessed it, did I really see that? Did that really just happen? And uh, Jesus, of course, knew how shocked they were. He knew that his presence was hard to believe and even more difficult to understand. And so he showed them as proof his hands and his side to prove his identity and you can just hear the news traveling around the room as they talk about him like he's not there. By the way, there's a whole bunch of people who talk about God like he's not there still. And he most certainly is. Wherever there is, so is God. And, and one says that to another, a disciple says to another, I think it's really him. They said, Are you sure? Oh yeah, look at those hands. They've got nail prints in them. Well, maybe it is him. Jesus, it's really you. It's you! And you can just see as the excitement builds in the room, and they all finally figure out, this is Jesus. This is actually him. He's not dead. He's alive. And the disciples are eyewitnesses of a living Christ. Now, Mary Magdalene, that morning, had already seen Jesus near the empty tomb. She thought he was the gardener. And if you look back in this same chapter to verse 16, I want you to notice how gentle the words of Jesus were toward this hurting woman. Verse 15, Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir... If thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Mary Magdalene had been the first person to see Jesus alive. And in fact, it's interesting, immediately after she saw him, she ran to go tell the disciples, in their hidden meeting place, that she had seen the Lord, but they were struggling to believe. And now he was here in the middle of the room, and they had just seen the wounds of his cross. They believed. Now look at the last half of verse number 20. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad. A living Savior had changed everything. And a living Savior still changes everything. Uh, A story is told uh, of an African Muslim who became a Christian. And in his culture, you just didn't do that. Like, you'd get disowned. It, It wouldn't be a good thing. And so his friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? And he said, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road, and suddenly the road forked in two directions, and you didn't know which way to go. There, at the fork, are two men, one dead and one alive. Who would you ask for directions? I always like that story. That's such a good story. The fork in the road. There's one guy dead and one alive. Who would you ask for directions? But why does the message of Jesus have such credibility? Because his body was taken to a tomb like the bodies of many other religious figures in history. But three days later, he left under his own power. Uh, the, the World uh, Religious Association now says that there are over 4,200 religions on earth. 4,200 religions on earth. There are even people who, they get together and they worship Star Wars figures. That's what they do. There are people who get together and worship a comet that comes every 88 years. They worship all sorts of things. 4,200 religions on planet Earth. There's one empty tomb. And And that's all that really needs to be said about it. It's just so fascinating that we live in a world where people don't understand that, sometimes because they've never heard. Uh, A man and his five-year-old son were driving past a cemetery, and and, uh, they noticed this large pile of dirt next to a a freshly dug grave. And the little boy said, look, Dad, one got out. (laughs) And it's actually next time you drive past a cemetery, you can think of the one who got out. Think of the one who the grave could not hold. Jesus is the only person who's ever borrowed a tomb and given it back, right? (laughs) Some bones, uh, allegedly, years and years ago, were found from one of Buddha's fingers. And they were sent as a gift uh, to the emperor of China during the Tang Dynasty. And then they were forgotten about and put in this archive. And, And in 1981, they were found again, And the finding was a sensation worldwide to Buddhists, and and the bones are now visited by many Buddhists uh, on a regular basis. Here's the thing about Christianity. If someone claimed to find a finger that belonged to Christ, there are no Christians who would believe him. Because our faith is founded on the fact that there's no finger to find, Right, Christ rose bodily from the dead and then ascended bodily to heaven. And uh, this was in no way uh, a conspiracy like uh, some of Pilate's guys thought and the chief priests thought this was a conspiracy for the disciples to steal the body. Make no mistake, these eyewitnesses were not in a conspiracy. They never expected to see who they saw. Right? They... Even they were told he rose from the dead and they still didn't want to believe it until they saw in person his hands and his side. And when they did, they believed. They were convinced. They were ready to follow Jesus anywhere. They were passionate about following Jesus everywhere and still not fully understanding how they'd be used to fulfill God's purpose. Their faith had gone from asleep to awake just like that. And uh, I don't know if you've ever gone from dead sleep to dead, live awake. I don't know how to even say it. But have you ever, something awakens you in the middle of the night and you bolt upright in bed and uh, the adrenaline just punches your heart like you've just had a heart attack and you can't even like sit still for 15 minutes afterward because your body is like trembling yeah, that happens occasionally. One of our dogs will bark in the middle of the night or something, or Titus, as he did at two this morning, starts calling out, dad, dad. And I go all the way downstairs to his room, kind of limp down there in the middle of the night. What do you need? He said, you didn't ever tuck me in. <laughs> yeah, I did, like six hours ago. <laughs> What's happened since I t-? I have no idea what happened. Uh, one night, Amy and I were at a bed and breakfast in Haley several years ago for our anniversary. And the guy, the kid who had checked us in, uh, <clears throat> somehow in the middle of the night, I had this dream that he had come into our bed and breakfast room and was standing inside of our door with a gun. And it's the middle and the night, I sit upright in bed, and I start yelling Amy's name, wake the whole bed and breakfast up. And, and she's, what's wrong? And I, He's in the room. He's in the room. And so finally, I don't know if she had to slap me or pour water on me or what. I finally woke up. I couldn't go back to sleep for hours. When you go from dead asleep to live awake, uh, it changes things. And it changed things for these disciples. Now, for some of them, it was a temporary change. And we'll talk about that. But in in the long term, this was an everlasting change for them. And they were so passionate about their testimony of a risen Savior that they risked persecution and even martyrdom to share the truth. And most of them were killed for their faith. But they really thought that Jesus, uh, even though he was alive, they thought he was going to continue on the earth with them. They thought that things would be like they were before, that they'd travel around with Jesus and he'd heal people and preach to people and then set up his kingdom. And then Jesus gave them some different news. Look at John twenty twenty one. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And Jesus breathed on them the Holy Ghost. Let's talk about this third part. The disciples are sent by Jesus. The disciples are sent by Jesus. With the resurrection as fresh as it would ever be, the nail-pierced hands, the punctured side of Jesus as evidence of his wounds, the disciples were commissioned and empowered to go into the world with the good news that they had received. You know, it wouldn't be like it was before. Instead of them being in a group along with Jesus, Jesus now, through the Holy Spirit, would live in each of their individual hearts. Just as he had been sent by the Father to seek and save that which was lost, they were being sent under the authority of Jesus himself to go into all the world with the everlasting gospel. And we who are saved, have been given the same mission based upon the same message because the same man was risen from the dead. Now I want to talk about this ending section because it's so crucial uh, for us to get this part with Thomas. And uh, So let's talk about this ending section. Blessed are they that have not seen. Blessed are they that have not seen. Uh, As you notice there, The chapter keeps going after their commission and after Jesus sends them to go out in the world. Uh, It's not the end because Thomas wasn't there. And uh, so here's Thomas. And once again, uh, the other disciples came to Thomas and said, hey, Thomas, you missed it, man. We've seen the Lord, right? We've seen the Lord. You missed it. And he says, well, I'm not going to believe until I can put my own finger in his hand. And I can put my own hand in his side. And so he got the opportunity at the next meeting. And so somebody wasn't there, Thomas, when Jesus entered the room the first time using no door or window. And so Thomas missed the Sunday night service. And he missed a lot. But eight days later, he was present when Jesus appeared in the middle of the room again and once again used no door or window to get in. And Jesus explained the meaning of faith. Now, if you're here today and you've never seen Jesus in person, which would be all of us, then this explanation is important to you. The disciples who had been in the room the first time, you know why they believed? Same reason Thomas did. Because Jesus showed up in the middle of the room, held up his hands, and showed them his side. They believed because they saw. Right? They believed because they had seen. So their faith was really no more impressive than the faith of Thomas. A lot of times we dog on Thomas. Thomas, oh doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. What a guy. Right? But the rest of them were the same way. Thomas just wasn't at the meeting. Now most of them didn't believe for themselves till Jesus showed up in person. John did, but other than that, nobody else did. Thomas had missed the meeting. Now his personal experience is being highlighted. Thomas reach your finger and touch the nail piercing in my hand. Reach your hand to the depression of my sight. Don't be faithless, Thomas. Believe. And of course, we read, he did believe. And he said, my Lord and my God. And uh, Thomas uh, became a disciple who gave his life for Jesus. And I have been on the coast of India on the coast of the Arabian Sea, where Thomas went to witness for Jesus Christ and was killed by a tribe in India. Uh, all these disciples gave of their lives. Thomas believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. Otherwise, he wouldn't have traveled thousands of miles had given his life. And yet Jesus says to him, "Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed." Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You say, well, who's that? Well, hopefully it's you. I know it's me. I've never seen Jesus in person. But I believe based upon the eyewitness testimony of those who saw him alive. And in August of 1984, when I was 12 years old, I confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in my heart that God had raised him from the dead. And Romans 10 says, that makes me what's called saved. It's not because of me. It's not because of who I am. My church attendance couldn't save me. The faith of my parents or grandparents couldn't save me. Good works couldn't save me. Baptism couldn't save me. Catechism couldn't save me. That nothing in me was deserving of salvation. I was a sinner condemned on my way to eternal death. And only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ could save me. And on a Saturday night, about 11 o'clock, I went into my parents' room and said, I need to ask Jesus into my life. And I committed my life to Christ, received by faith. What I had not seen for myself. Now, check this out. I have been saved for 38 years, okay, coming up this August, 38 years. You know, I still haven't seen Jesus in person. Still haven't seen him in person. And I, I don't mind waiting a, a few more years if it's okay uh, before we do that, but whatever, you know, whatever the Lord wants. Still haven't seen him in person. And every day, I still live because he's alive, and I live like he's alive, and I committed my life to Christ. The verse 31 of John 20 happened to me in August of 1984. Look what it says here. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, And that believing you might have life through his name. Verse 31 has happened to me. There are millions and millions of people who have experienced the life-changing faith of verse 31. Hopefully, many of you have received verse 31. And every single one who has believed that Jesus rose from the dead has been given life through his name. The certainty of a home in heaven. The hope and assurance that brings peace to the soul. And if you're here this morning, and verse 31 has never happened to you, there is no better time than today to make sure of your faith and your eternity. As the old professor said on his deathbed, if Jesus didn't rise from the tomb, nothing else matters. And if Jesus did rise from the tomb, nothing else matters. And I know that's as true as it's ever been. If you have Jesus in your life, he is the living Christ. And we're going to talk about next week, Christ in you, the hope of glory, how Jesus is still living through us. But if you have never believed that Jesus rose from the dead, and claim by faith the salvation that he offers, you can do that here today. I was reading a story about Easter Sunday of 1973 in the nation of Uganda. And I've been to Uganda, loved the people there. Uh, The African nation had been groaning under the terror of Idi Amin. And some of you are old enough to remember who Idi Amin was. He was a ruthless Dictator who starved, killed, and stole from his own people. And uh, there was a pastor named uh, Kepha Simpangi. And uh, on that Easter Sunday, he still had in his mind the fresh memories of people in his village who had been burned beyond recognition, and uh, soldiers cruelly beating people. He had heard the sound of boots crushing bones. And just for the crime of being a Christian. But on that Resurrection Sunday, uh, Pastor Simpongi bravely and openly preached on the risen Lord in his town's football stadium, uh, soccer stadium, to over 7,000 people. And it it was illegal to be a Christian, much less to say out loud you were a Christian, much less to tell other people how to be a Christian. After the service, five of Idi Amin's secret police followed Pastor Simpongi back to his church, walked in the door, closed the door behind them, pointed rifles in his face, and said, we're going to kill you for disobeying the general's orders. If you have something to say, say it before you die. And Pastor Simpongi, thinking of his beautiful wife and his lovely little girl, he began to shake but the risen Lord, living in his heart, gave him the courage to speak. And here's what he said. He said, do what you must. The word of God says that in Christ, I'm already dead. And that my real life is hidden with him in God. He said, it's not my life in danger, it's yours. I'm alive in the risen Lord. But you're dead in your sins, condemned to eternal death, and may God spare you from eternal destruction. I want to ask you this. How could a man facing an execution squad speak with such certainty? Right? How could Thomas, on the coast of the Arabian Sea, with lances pointed at his head, speak so certainly about Jesus? How could John Huss, burning at the stake for printing the scriptures in written language, speak so certainly? How could Luther say at the Diet of Worms, I will not recant my faith in Jesus? How could that happen? Because Jesus is still alive. And Pastor Sempongi, even though he'd never seen Jesus in person, he knew that Jesus was alive. By faith. The faith that Jesus commended. The faith that Jesus talked about when he said, Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And you can fit into that same category here this morning. It's because of the blessing that Jesus spoke to Thomas that day so long ago. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Faith in the risen Savior is as certain as anything you can see or hear on this earth. Anyway, back to you. Want to know what happened to Simpongi? So the, the leader looked at Simpongi for a long time, and they still had their guns up. And then the leader lowered his gun and began to weep. And he said, will you pray for us? as Simpongi did, and those five officers of Idi Amin were converted through the witness of Simpongi's bravery. And they also became his protectors from then forward instead of his aggressors. Faith in the risen Savior can change any heart, any heart, no matter how hardened and dark it has become. Where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. The power that changed death to life is the same power that changes one from sinner to save. It's the same power that brings deniers and prodigals back into fellowship with Jesus. You should read chapter 21 sometime. The power of resurrection is what returns Peter to a purpose-filled life. Peter was in the room twice when Jesus showed up. And he still said, that's it, I'm done. I'm going fishing. I'm not going to do this Christian thing anymore. I'm headed for the lake. Stopping by sportsman's on the way for a few lures. Right? Right? And if Peter could walk with Jesus for three years, see him in the middle of the room, touch his nail-scarred hands, and then give it all up to go fishing, it could happen to anybody. It could happen to you. But the power of resurrection brought him back. The grace of God saved him from himself. The love of Jesus reset his path. Maybe you've turned your back on Jesus. Maybe somebody close to you has turned his or her back on Jesus. You can trust this. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is able to raise any soul back to God's purpose. So Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Our faith challenge simply restates what we've talked about today The eyewitness testimony of the risen Savior has been given so you may believe. It's been given so you may believe. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Let me pray with you. Father, as we pray this morning to close out this Resurrection Sunday service, there may be some in this room who have never placed their trust in you for salvation. They've never said, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you are offering to me the gift of eternal life. I'm turning from my way to yours. I want you in my life. It could be, Lord, that the power of resurrection is working on a heart far from you this morning. Somebody who knows you as Savior, but they've walked away. And I pray that right now you would restore hearts just like you restored Peter that day at the Sea of Galilee. I pray that you would help us to live because you are the living Christ. And help us to remember that because of the resurrection, nothing else matters. Every other thing is going to burn up. But what happens for eternity will last forever. And so I pray that you would help us to dedicate our lives to a cause that outlives us. Take us now through this special day as we honor and glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody, the clock on my back wall back here says 12.01, and I apologize, we did go one minute over on my clock today, Uh, but in just a few minutes, uh, we're going to be having our giant candy hunt back on the back field, and there's going to be three different places to go. Yeah, so look for the little signs. There's tiny kids, and then sort of tiny kids, and then bigger kids. I have no idea what the ages are, but get all the kids. If you got kids in the other building, go get them quick, and we'll see you out there in just a few minutes. God bless you. Happy Easter. A place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood